Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you know what time it is? Time to hang here with Mr. Cool. With Mr. Koopa, with Mr. Koopa, with Mr. Koopa, lady school. From Mr. Koopa, from Mr. Koopa, from Mr. Koopa. Hey, we miss the cool. With Mr. Koopa, with Mr. Koopa, with Mr. Koopa, lady school. From Mr. Koopa, from Mr. Koopa. Welcome to the Big Scoop with Coop. I'm your host, Coop. And guys, today is season three, episode two. Still going strong, guys. Um, I want you to make sure you tell everyone, tell your family, your friends to make sure they tune in to Blog Talk Radio forward slash the Big Scoop with Coop. Um, if they can't catch me there, well, of course you can catch me there. But other places you can find me at, you can actually find me on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, um, Blueberry, iTunes, Google, um, you can find me some of everywhere. Facebook, of course. Make sure you go to um www.facebook.com forward slash the big scoop with coop. Now guys, today I have a guest who's actually coming on the show. He's actually done big things. He's actually been um directing um a lot of big movies. From the past up to now, he is actually a very, very successful director in the movie industry. Um, he's actually worked with people like Bobby Brown. He has actually worked with people um, like Tatiana Ali. He's actually worked with a lot of people in this industry. You will learn a lot today, guys. Make sure you get ready for this because I'm very excited to have him on the show myself. Um, enough about that, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, the one the only Jerry Lamoth. Welcome to the show. What's up, fam? Thank you for having me. Glad of to course, be man. Yes, sir. Anytime, anytime. Now, just to let you know, on this show, we always talk about how you started in your career, your success, give advice on how to actually get into your career, and much more. But, Jerry, at first, I have to actually give you big props, man, for what you've done and the talent that you've done worked with. You've actually you know, work with big names and you didn't, it wasn't given to you scratch your way into this industry and you're still doing big <laughs> things today. And I mean, I just got to give you props on that off top. Thank you, my dude. I appreciate that. Yes, That's sir. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. You <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. It's People were all right That's now. That it, hasn't been, it hasn't been the typical Hollywood studio route. That's for sure. Man, you know, in today's time, we will get into that also. But, you know, the movie and television industry has changed so much over the years. And it seems like whatever goes on, you're actually progressing and you're and you're sticking in with today's times, regardless of what it is. And, of course, you know, we're going to talk about your your hit show that's going on, too. Um, We will talk about it later on. But, Jerry, I want to go on to start off from the beginning. So um, let's go on and get this show started, man. This is all about you today. So when uh, did you realize that you wanted to become a director in the television and movie industry? Uh, that's a question, man. I'm honest with you, I've been in love and infatuated with cinema for as long as I can remember, man. I mean, literally four, five, six years old, my father, you know, I'm from Flatbush, Brooklyn, and at the time Flatbush was just filled with a plethora of movie theaters on the strip. And my dad would take me, um, you know, take me to the movies with him. 
took me to see a couple of films that I probably shouldn't have seen at the age. not about no PG R rated, you know, <laughs> scenarios. But he just took me. So I was, I was watching films like Taxi Driver, Shark Machine, um, Burt Reynolds, watching martial arts flick, watching the black exploitation joints um, from really young. And I remember coming home and replaying scenes and reenacting them. So if I go that far back, I will, you know, I probably wasn't in a place to be able to distinctively tell you this is something I'm going to do one day. But it was surely something that had my attention for a long time. Um, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, I ended up working in a movie theater as an usher um, on Kings Highway. The Kingsway Movie Theater no longer exists by Cineplex Odeon, which no longer mm-hmm. exists. I think that's Sony now. And um, it started again, you know, watching... I once tracked down how many films I saw. I think I saw like maybe over 35 films over a period of the summer, you know, oh. during my school break, just watching films like Mo' Better Blues, um, mm-hmm. a series of other features. And that I remember then saying, setting my sights low and saying, if I could so much as even get in a movie in my lifetime, I just want like a part, like to be in a position to say one line or two lines, I'd be blessed. I'd be I consider myself really fortunate, not realizing, you know, you got to set, you got to set, you know, set the heights, your sights high, as opposed to setting them low. And um, started acting, pursuing the acting in, um, business, getting my head shots. This was around 98, 99. Uh, heard about the Acapulco Black Film Festival, um, which is now known as ABFF. Went out there and took a, um, a workshop that Bill Duke, and um, Robert Townsend was hosting and putting together, and it was there. That was the epiphany. That was the that was the moment that everything changed because during that um, during that workshop, they said basically they asked how many actors were in the room, and everybody raised their hands. And then they said, well, how many producers are in the room? And no one raised their hands. And they were like, see, that's the problem. As people of color, you guys don't have the luxury of just being actors. You got to be writers. You got to be producers. You got to be directors. And even if you can't do all of them, you have to really start putting a circle together and start putting a team together of writers, producers, and directors, and start creating your own content. Don't be sitting by your phone, waiting, hoping for someone else to open the door for you and give you an opportunity. And so for me, that was completely eye-opening. Like I left Acapulco. That was the first time I'd ever left the country. You know, I, I just went out there for Dolo. I, you know, I saved my money, went out there, and that was a turning point of my career. I came back. Um, this was 99. I came back and started writing my first script. And literally, I, I could probably never get this lucky ever again. I bug out about this because I didn't know that generally this is not supposed to happen. It's all I knew. It's what I set my mind to do. And I right. made my film. I made my first film in four months. Four months what? from the time I said I was going to make a movie, the film got made four months later, and that never happened again. I never got blessed to be able to get a film made. Literally four months after I said I'm going to make a film. That's that's and, crazy. Uh, you know, and the rest is history. I you know I wrote, produced, directed, and started a more infinity, and then that's what kind of just started everything, set everything off. Man, and see right there that shows for everybody that's listening right now. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. And I don't want that to be some some catchphrase because, 
you, you just heard Jerry right now. It's it's the truth. It's like if you go out there and you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Now, and you're right, Jerry. Now, you that was not supposed to happen. Or how your mm-hmm. career started, it was not supposed to happen. But you defeated the odds, and and that's what a lot of people. And I, I don't want to make this a segregated show or anything, but. A, a lot of people of color, they feel like that they're only one-dimensional. If they can't do this one right. certain thing, they can't do anything. Well, I don't want to say anything, but a lot of things they feel like it can't be accomplished. And, you know, mm-hmm. learning from you and, and the talent that you work with, it, it shows that, hey, it, your color doesn't matter. It, it's your skill. And as mm-hmm. your skill and what you've done is what actually brought you to the dance or where you at today. Now, yes, talking about talking about being in that room, um, when they asked about the actors and who are directors and everything, let, let's fast forward to today. We're going to be going back and forth, but like today, cool. do you feel like it's harder to direct a movie or television show compared to writing a movie or a television show? Do you feel like it's harder for people to actually write it instead of just directing it? Mm, that's a good question, too. I mean, it really depends, man. I, I think they're all challenging in their own rights, and I think it really depends on what it is that you're writing and what what field you're trying to break into. If you're looking to break into episodic writing, which is a very lucrative and very fulfilling field, um, it's a very hard industry to break into. And I've, I've discovered anything that's good and anything that's worthwhile is always a struggle to break in it because for those that are within that, little system, they want to maintain the integrity of it in the sense that they don't want they don't want it to be oversaturated and they're not trying to get everybody in there. So like most positions and jobs, you're looking at the WGA, which is the Union, the Writers Guild of America, you know, you have to write concepts and write different scripts to get to a point where someone's gonna open the door and give you an opportunity, whether it be a network executive or a showrunner of a TV series or by way of, of um, by way of a diversity or initiative program that some of these networks hold that give aspiring upcoming unknown writers an opportunity to break in. So that's one facet of it. If you're basically looking to be a uh, theatrical uh, writer, screenwriter, and you're trying to write from um, major motion picture films, it's the same thing. You probably aren't going to break in officially until you have representation like, uh, you know, a manager or an agency or a top-tier agency or even a second-tier boutique agency rep who's credible, who can kind of open some doors for you to where the studios are now looking at your work and considering you for, um, you know, for material uh, or hiring you as an assignment as a work-for-hire, you know, to do some of their films. My situation is a little bit different because as a writer-director, that's more along the path of being an auteur in the sense that I'm creating my own stories that come from me. They come from my heart. So when I'm pitching it, I'm pitching pitching the whole project. I'm essentially trying to get a project funded because I write and direct my films. I'm not um, just a director for hire. You know, you have directors that are essentially just directors for hire. They're brought on direct a film or direct a TV show, and that's what they do. They don't necessarily write or create their own content. And same for screenwriters. You have screenwriters that this is what they do for a living. They write all day, every day, 
whether it be for television or for major motion pictures. See, that's what I'm talking about. And, you know, um, it, like, for example, I've been in two movies, and I'm, I'm getting ready for my third. But my movie director mm-hmm. is actually going through the same situation. He's trying to actually get, um, because we're trying to convert the movie we're in into television shows. And he's mm-hmm. trying to get into the industry. Now, don't get me wrong. We had it on YouTube for a while, and it has, mm-hmm. and I mean, a lot of people liked it. And it's it's a mm-hmm. very, very good thing. But he's going through the same thing, trying to break through to get it to television. Yep. So I, I understand yep. where you're coming from, and that seems like it's a headache by itself compared to everything oh, yeah, else you have to do in your life. Yeah, breaking into TV is very difficult. Whether you're an actor, writer, or a director, you gotta you know, tools that gotta be paid. You know that's how it's looked upon. You're right, but you're with the right, right representation and the right relationships, you know anything is possible. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. Now, did you have any mentors when you actually started in this business? I would have to say honestly, no. Unfortunately, I would like I would have loved to say yes. Um, my mentor in life has always been my father, and my mm-hmm. father is, uh, you know, while while he may have been a film buff, he certainly wasn't an industry type or an artist, you know, in the sense of the, in that sense of the word. So um, for me, it's really been trial and error, and it's not to say that I haven't had um, an enormous amount of support and a support system, because I truly have. There are a lot of people that have really championed me and have backed me and, uh, you know, supported me, whether it be financially or even just just in general, um, scores of people have, have been there for me. But the term mentor in the true sense of the word, um, right. I wouldn't say that, not within this industry, unfortunately. That would have been nice. But I, <laughs> I find that it's um, – and this, this is the part that's a little sad. What's um, unfortunate is that um, we have this stigma or this – psyche, if you will, that everyone is afraid of losing something and afraid of having something taken from them. So to a large degree, everyone is kind of trying to hold whatever wealth of information they have, they feel compelled to have to hold it uh, for themselves. Um, If I may be frank. Now, there have been those that have been kind to me and have offered me some words of wisdom. I've encountered, um, you know, of course, I had the good fortune of working with Melvin from Peebles on Black mm-hmm. House. He was great. He, he's he been one of those people who definitely championed for me and was a, a pleasure to be around. I had one or two brief encounters with Harry Belafonte, um, you know, and then when we sold Blackout, I had the opportunity to engage in some dialogue with um, Reginald Hudlin. Um, but, you know, Again, the term uh, mentor, by by true definition, that's not something I can honestly say I've had in this industry. Now, since you start naming names, for people that's new to you, and that's probably one percentile, um, and, and the rest of these people that's actually listening, I know they know of you, but for the people that's new to you right now, can you name some of the people? You already started it, but can you name some more of the people mm-hmm. you actually work with? Um, in this industry. All right. Um, here we go. I'm going to try to remember everybody. <laughs> uh, I've had the blessed, blessed, blessed opportunity of working with Jeffrey Wright, uh, Zoe Saldana, mm-hmm. Jamie Hector, 
Melvin Van Peebles, uh, Michael B. Jordan, wow. Jennifer Lewis, uh, Whitney Houston, Tatiana Ali, mm-hmm. uh, Kamala Jones, Latanya Richardson Jackson, um, Anthony Chisholm, um, and now with the new series, uh, Vanessa Bell Calloway, Okay. Keys, uh-huh. Clifton Collins, Clifton Powell, sorry, Clifton Powell um, Jr., and uh, I know there's more. Keith Robinson. Of course. And um, several, several, several others. Talented talents. I know I'm forgetting some people, and I hope I mentioned Jamie Hector because that's my boy. Uh, right. I had a good work with Jamie Hector as well, amongst many, many others. Whitney, the late Whitney Houston. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening right now worldwide, it, the resume speaks for itself. Um, it, there's something that can't be made up. You you can actually find this yourself online in different places, but it shows that he has the skill where big names are actually coming to him. He's actually working with them. So, I mean, make sure you're paying attention to the show, people, because you're hearing what he's done. Make sure you follow his career Make sure you tune in to a show that we're about to talk about in a minute. Um, I mean, this guy's doing big. I don't know how else I can make this any bigger coming from me, but Jerry's doing big things, man. And trust me, his career is nowhere being close to being over. So make sure you guys follow this guy. He is, he's the truth. He's definitely the truth. Thank you, brother. I yes, appreciate sir. that. Now, talking about the industry, in, in your personal opinion, do you feel that the movie and television industry has changed within the last 20 years for the better or for the worse? Television and movie industry. I'd say even in the last five years, it's changed significantly, dramatically. Um, Film has changed, and it's kind of transitioned into the other, if you will. Um, Television itself has basically taken over. Television is sick. Um, I mean, from the content, um, from the depth, the cinematic, you know, it's, it's more cinematic, more character driven, mm-hmm. and people are being drawn to television more. Um, you have top A-list actors going to TV. You have top-notch filmmakers running back to television. There are a number of reasons for that, one of which is there's a consistency level with television that you won't get from doing a film. You might get a good film or big film once every couple of years, but you know, with television, you, there's, there's more consistency, if you will. And so for that, that's where things have kind of changed over. I wouldn't go as far as saying that film and, you know, movies are obsolete, but the game is definitely changing by the day with television on the right, streaming in the middle, and the movie theater on the left. You know, a lot of people are going more towards streaming and television, and the two are kind of becoming more and more intertwined, if you will, um, because cable is going out, you know, right. and it's something that they're trying to figure out how to save it, but it's inevitable. It's making its way out, and people are streaming. You know, people are going to Roku and Hulu and Netflix and getting Apple TV where you can go on your browser and still have a television experience without having to have cable and have access to all of these different streaming services and networks. So that's the platform. That's what, that's what things are becoming. And so for that, you'll find a lot of artists such as myself 
are making their way and trying to transition with the change and not be left behind. And part of that change is understanding that content isn't exclusive to um, to movies anymore. You know, you got all these streaming outlets which serve as a digital platform slash network, if you will. You still have your traditional networks that are still playing on, you know, regular channels but still have to provide streaming services and apps and um, the ability to watch and stream the content on their websites because if they don't, they will lose a major audience because they, they've discovered there's a key demographic that doesn't even watch television anymore, not in the traditional sense. You know, this generation is watching content on their phones. They're watching content on their tablets, you know, on their laptops. Like for me, it's very short-lived. I'm very old school. I can't really watch content on my cell phone. Like for me, I feel like I'm losing something. But statistics have shown there's a significant percentage of people that are watching their content on their phones, on their laptops, on their tablets. And that's why you have the whole smart TV revolution that's happening now, too. You know, right. People are watching YouTube the way you would watch a traditional network. You have a big screen. You have a smart TV. You can go on YouTube, pull up any content you want to watch, and you're going to have the same experience as if you were watching a television show on a major network. So that's what we're dealing with now. And and that's true. That's true. And let me add on to that. Now, I'm not sure if you heard about this or not, but, you know, um, Sony with PlayStation, they actually have something called PlayStation View. And basically Mm -hmm. on the PlayStation consoles, you can actually get your local channels and cable channels. And they got packages starting low as $39. And you don't have to have – and there's no contract. It's like straight streaming – all of these channels, and you get DVR through the cloud. So it's like, you're mm-hmm. right. A lot of things are actually changing this way, where it's mm-hmm. a cable killer. It's a big cable killer. Now, I don't see, now, me personally, Jerry, I don't see how cable can make a comeback. I believe within like the next no. 10 years or less, it's a route for them. That, that's what I believe. So, mm-hmm. I, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, um, you named some of the actors that you've actually worked with. Um, and, and this right here is going to probably make you start thinking hard again because you've done so much once again. Can you name some of the movies and the television shows you've been involved with? Yeah, so my first film was A Morning Trinity. That was my first one. And that allowed me um, and gave me the op- opened the door for me to be offered to direct Norris Hair Salon. Mm-hmm. After I directed North Salon, I did a small little comedy called The Hustle. Um, after The Hustle, I came back and did one of my own personal passion projects, which was Blackout. That was with Zoe and um, Jeffrey Wright and Michael B. I did Blackout. Um, after Blackout, I did a short film called The Tombs, which also opened some doors for me. Um, did a major uh, film festival circuit tour. Did very well. It was very well received. Um, shortly after the tombs, I did another short film um, with Jamie Hector, where he was an executive producer. I came on and directed that for him and um, his partner Ali. And that project is called that short film is called Taking Chance. And Taking Chance is actually currently doing a festival circuit tour this year. It initiated. It started late this last year um, at the 
Urban World, it premiered at the Urban World Film Festival where it won um, the Audience Award for Best Short Film. So that will be touring this year. Um, and um, last but not least, most recently, um, Saints and Sinners, which is my first um, television, my first day, my debut, my foray into the television world. Now, I'm glad you brought that up, Jerry. Um, I want to go on and get into that now because a lot of people that's listening, I know they've heard about this, and they it's time to get more in-depth with it now. Cause, so we will get an exclusive right here on the Bit Scoop with Coop. Um, nope. First off, mm-hmm. I got to say big shout-outs to Bounce TV. You grabbed this. Um, yes. Saints and Sinners, I mean, this is a show that I believe is going to be one of those all eyes on you. And what I mean by that, Jerry, I don't mean by just all eyes on you as in the television perspective. I mean, I believe people will be watching to see what you personally are going to do when you put your hand in the pot in this and with all the episodes coming out. So I just want to say, Jerry, I'm going to tell you ahead of time because I know what you can do. And I'm going to say congrats already because I got a feeling, well, I have a feeling this show is going to go on season after season after season. I feel it. I really do. Now, well, let's get into let's get into it now. Saints and Sinners, tell everybody. Tell everybody what the concept of the show is. Man. <laughs> Saints and Sinners is bananas, man. Um, Saints and Sinners is basically um, an ensemble piece about the Johnson family um, who has who have overseen this church for over 40 years, over three generations. And it basically deals with deceit, um, betrayal, greed, power, um, lust. And um, my best angle and pitch for it is I tell people, if you've, if you've watched Empire, if you've watched Power, it's in the vein of those two shows, but or Scandal even, rather. Um, but except instead of the White House and instead of the music industry, it's in the backdrop of the church. Ooh. So that's where it plays differently, the backdrop. But the the premise is still dealing with those same deadly sins, those human deadly sins that we you know, that we're faced with. So it's a guilty pleasure. Got you. Got you. Now if I'm not mistaken, didn't this debut March the sixth? Yes it did. It did it debuted last week. The pilot okay. um came out and broke records and it is the highest rated program in Bounce TV history. Um, it premiered to 1.3 million viewers, which Ooh. is huge for, uh, you know, a small network that, you know, for one, honestly, many weren't aware of. And, you know, for one of which many people didn't have access to at time as well. And yet right. it's still with virtually very little promotion other than social media. There wasn't any major, major campaigns in the sense that, you know, what an ABC or an NBC would launch, and yet still the show still brought in very, very impressive um, numbers for a debut and broke records, actually. So it's been it's been kind of surreal for me to fall back and kind of just watch and see what's happening. It started trending on social media, and the feedback was overwhelmingly positive, like everyone is basically uh, falling in love with the show. It's an addiction. Um, people are, you know, claiming Saints and um, Sinners is now, you know, got Sunday on Smash. So people are really tuning in and loving it. Episode two aired yesterday. And again, 
another positive resounding uh, response to it. So it, it's fun to put in so much work and energy and, you know, and not, and of course, not just myself. I mean, even with film, you have this, but with television, there's so many, so many, you know, to create a successful TV show, it requires so many different individuals from, you know, your cast and crew, an amazing cast, a very, very talented cast for one thing. Um, you need a strong writing team, some great executive producers. You need some solid directors to come in and, and see the vision through. So that's something I'll just take this moment to big them up. The network itself as well. Uh, most small networks, again, Bounce is only four years old. Most networks are pretty intimidated with um, dealing with one-hour scripted drama. You know, um, one-hour drama is very expensive. It's very difficult. It can be challenging, and if it's a if it's a failure, much less an epic failure, you know, it's hard to come back from it. Um, you know, and that's why a lot of networks gravitate towards reality shows, non-scripted, and even um, thirty-minute sitcoms. They're relatively controlled, whereas you know, once you start venturing into the one-hour drama, so this is really essentially kind of unprecedented if you really think about it for a network that, again, is four years old to decide, yo, you know what, we're just going to throw it all out on the table and we're going to put out, we're going to put out a, um, I'm sorry, we're going to put out a one-hour drama, one-hour series. And the risk is, um, from what I see thus far, has clearly paid off because it's now put the network on a whole other level. They had to, they, you know, they received a, a swarm of calls and emails and inquiries about, hey, I need bounce, I want to watch this, how can I watch this, how can I get it? And the different alternatives were if you have the antenna, you already have access to bounce because it's essentially a free channel. It's not a cable, um, as many people think. Um, And so if your cable provider has it, then you have access to it. Um, If you can't get it by way of that, you can watch it on the antenna, but it gets better. As a result of the outpour of um, demand for access to Bounce to watch the show, you know, over the last week, they they had to put out an app. They now have a, a Bounce app, which kind of goes along the lines of what we were just talking about earlier. Yeah. The app. So, uh, so now anybody and everybody can watch Saints and Sinners on the Bounce network via the app. And every Sunday they're going to, um, after the previous airing, after the airing of the current episode, they'll put up the previous. You can watch the previous episode on the Bounce Network, on Bounce nice. TV. So you go online, bounce.com or whatever it is, Google it. Don't don't quote right. me on that. You can you can watch the show. <laughs> so both shows, both episodes are currently streaming now as we speak. I've gotten a flood of calls from people who've been going crazy and aggravated from seeing all the hoopla on you know on social right. media and not having access to it. Now they can see it. Well, you know now what? You just, um, mm-hmm. you, you just helped me out because I'm going to actually look for that out myself because um, I didn't get the chance to catch episode two. So, gotcha. I guess what we'll be doing. Gotcha. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you just you going to check it out? Yes, sir. Good, 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 good. Yes. And that's why I want to know also, how did you, how did your mind actually create Saints and Sinners? I mean, how did it just pop in your mind to actually say, this is going to be good television? I got to get it out. Well, well, first off, I got to say, I didn't create it. Oh, really? I didn't create things. I, was, uh, I directed it, and I directed the first three episodes. 
And so with television, I was basically brought on to direct the pilot, to direct to helm what would be the first visual of this show, to basically set the tone for what this show is going to be and will ultimately have to be followed as the blueprint for what the show, you know, for the show's life. Okay. And so I was brought in, Swarm Productions is the production team behind um, Saints and Sinners, and there's an executive there, an executive producer by the name of Brett Dismuke, who I've known for many years. And when the network was looking for a director to helm the first few episodes to kind of get it off and running, get it off, you know, on the right track, um, Brett brought me in, um, brought my work in and suggested uh, that they consider me. And so I was shortlisted at that point in time. And later on, um, one of the key executives over at the network, uh, Elizabeth Keola, basically said, yeah, I want, you know, after watching some of my previous work, she said, I want Jerry to direct, um, to direct Saints and Sinners. And so that's how I got the gig uh, to direct okay. Saints and Sinners. So I directed episodes one, two, and three. And uh, recall old, recall old um, Andy and Ty Grant are the, basically, they're the masterminds behind the show. They're the creators um, and the executive producers and showrunners of Saints and Sinners. I'm glad you got that cleared up because, see, maybe that was a rumor because I heard that I heard you had major say-so in it. And also, you and Andy, all of y'all, I heard all of y'all came together and, and created this mastermind. So I'm glad you no, got that cleared up right here. I can't take the credit and say I created it, but I will, I will agree with you. Uh, when you come into any time you're asked to, board, um, to come on and direct a pilot, uh-huh. you do assist the showrunners and the creators with the vision, you know. And, you know, my job is to help facilitate their vision. So anytime a network summons you to direct a pilot, they know and they're asking you to basically bring in, put your touch to the project, we trust you, we want you to drive this ship, what's the direction that, you know, we're going to go with it, this is how we see it, this is how we envision it, you know, and then they basically mix your input with that to create what will ultimately be, you know, the life of the show. Right. Okay, now I got to say big shout outs to all the actors, actresses, the masterminds behind this, uh, Saints and Sinners, big shout outs to all Absolutely. of you. Jerry, make sure you tell all those guys, too. Yeah, tell them. If they're not listening right now, tell them I said big shout-outs to them. Um, much success in the future for them, because I already see it coming. Absolutely. No doubt. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Now, how excited were you when you found out that you won Audience Choice Awards in 2015? Oh, man, I was excited because I have a long history with the Urban World Film Festival, my very first joint. Um, premiered, or more Infinity premiered at the um, Urban World Film Festival. So I kind of have a lasting legacy and history, and there's a lot of nostalgia with Urban World. You know, they've been very supportive uh, of me, you know, during my, you know, through the last 15, 16 years. And mm-hmm. so it was exciting. And for me, I was really happy for the kids because taking chance. Um, consists of this really, really talented cast and ensemble from Brooklyn. Um, you know, it's, they're from a group um, called Moving Mountains, which is a not-for-profit uh, group that Jamie Hector started um, to bring in some inner-city inner city kids and basically teach them theater. And they basically conduct, do one or two um, plays every year. And so last 
next year, they decided they wanted to do a film. Um, they've done a lot of theater, and they were like, you know, they went to their director, their mentor, Jamie, and said, look, we want to do a short film. And initially, Jamie was um, was going to direct the project. Um, however, his schedule didn't permit him to do so. He had an extremely hectic schedule. He was shooting botch. He he had a um, part in power, um, persons of interest, the strain. Like he was he was killing it last year. He had a really good year. So it kind of really prevented him from being able to come in and direct, um, take a chance. And he didn't want to postpone or push it back any further. And so a few months prior to that, I went. I attended a gala, uh, a fun gala that um, they were holding for Moving Mountains where, you know, a lot of influential people and politicians and pillars of the community, uh, you know, donated generously to um, Jamie's cause, Jamie's group, organization. And so, I, you know, I laugh and I joke about this all the time, and I tell them, I remember that evening, you know, I just felt like I wanted to contribute more and help out because I was really just so inspired by what he was doing. And I said to him, if there's anything I can do, anything you need, let me know. And so he called me on it. You know, he hit me up. He said, look, you know, my schedule is just bananas right now. I want to shoot this short film with my group, with my kids, and I'd like to know if you'd be interested in directing it. And that's my boy. That's my peeps. So I was like, of course, man, you know, it's a given. Um, and this was like a Wednesday. And I asked him, I said, when do you want to shoot? And he paused and he said, how about this Saturday? I was like, oh, my dude, like, you're killing me. Like, can we at least <laughs> push it a week? Like, can I at least read this? Can you send me the script first at least? And, but we were literally shooting like eight days later. And um, it was, I guess, to some degree, it was supposed to just be this little, you know, experimental thing, a little something to get these kids' feet wet. And it's kind of taken off, man. You know, it's done very well. It's been very well received. And shortly after its premiere at Urban World, you know, last September, um, you know, the kids all got called from HBO and BT and MTV got called in for auditions, and many of them have since booked some 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 pretty cool roles. I know for a fact one or two of them have booked have booked a part in The Breaks, the VH1 movie, The Breaks. Yeah, there's a new Netflix um, series coming out um, called The Breakdown, I believe. I forgot or The Get Down. Forgive me, I don't remember the specific no name. But two of the two of the kids got cast in that. So for me, that's very rewarding. That's what makes me happy, uh, you know, because I've been there. I've been there before. But to see, to be able to contribute and support and uh, contribute and see, you know, see it manifest in that fashion, that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you talked to Jamie? Probably last week or two weeks ago. Okay. All right. Well, Big so shout out, Jamie. Recently. Yeah, because we're working on a couple of different things. We're trying to get a couple of endeavors off the ground. But he's doing great, you know, um, season two of Botch just um, on Amazon just dropped last week. So he's doing his thing. Okay. Big shout-out to Jamie if you're listening, man. Um, holler at me whenever you can. I'd love to have you on the show later on in the future also. So, Jerry, mm-hmm. I, I got I to gotta ask you this, though. What is your mm-hmm. ultimate goal in the movie and television industry? My ultimate goal is, which I'm currently working on, is to definitely have a couple of my own TV shows. Um, I want to be a content creator and stay true to my origin 
of this business and that I'm an, ind- I'm an independent spirit at heart. And so with that being said, I definitely have a couple of TV shows that I'm developing that I'm looking to get off the ground. So in an ideal world, in a perfect world, it's basically comprised of three facets, one of which is to have some of my own shows as an executive producer um, and creator. Um, I will always continue um, to do my independent films. Um, That's definitely where I think, you know, I go hard, you know, with telling my personal passion, passion projects, passion stories. So I have about two or three of those that we're developing right now that we're looking to get off the ground. And I definitely, definitely want to continue to direct TV, uh, which I really enjoyed. I've wanted, to, I've wanted to break into TV for some time now. And so the Saints and Sinners opportunity was a huge opportunity. And so to finally break in, and then once breaking in, not getting just a regular episode, but being summoned to come in and do the pilot, and then for it to end up being a breakout hit, that it seems to be and that it's becoming, like, for me, it's one of those things that brings truth to the statement, like, you know, sometimes things take longer than you would like, but when it finally does happen, it, it almost compensates for all that time that you didn't get it. Like, if I had it sooner, it probably wouldn't have come by way of this. You know, I probably would have had an episode here, an episode of that, an episode right. here, and that would have been great, too. But to finally come out the gate and to come out hot with this hard and to be able to have breaking record numbers and be able to be connected to the highest rated show in that network's history thus far, like that for me is um is big, you know. Nice. Nice. I don't know how many times I can tell you this in one episode, Jerry, but I'm not gonna sound like a broken record anymore, but congratulations again. Um I know Saint Centers is is, you know, it's your baby right here, regardless if you made it or not. It's still your baby. And I know nope. there's more to come. Uh, trust me. I already know it is. So I'm going to be actually on yep. the lookout for that. Yes, sir. Now, um, oh, yeah. I, I, now, didn't burst, I didn't burst things in centers, but I'm definitely one of its baby's daddies. So I feel a little, you know, a little obligation here and there. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can claim a little ownership. <laughs> you might as well look at look how it's doing already. You're breaking records already. It's only two episodes. I mean, come yeah, on, man. It's been great. It's been nice to see. It's been nice to witness the network, the execs, the writers. There, everyone is really elated about it. It's a beautiful thing. It's definitely a shared, you know, shared credit and a shared celebration. Mm-hmm. It is now for all the people that's listening right now. What advice would you give any male or female? if they want to start in the movie industry or television industry, like following your shoes, like as a director or they want to become a writer or an actor or actress, what would you tell them right now? Um, in an effort to try not to sound generic, you know, all of the above um, writing, directing, acting, they're all, they're all extremely hard to break into. But what I have found and what's given me some sanity is for me as an artist, um, we all want to make it big and we all want to break out. But for me, it's always been about creating and being able to do what it is that I love, be it writing, be it acting, or be it directing. And that's why if you look at the vast, the majority of the body of my work has always been independent. And mm-hmm. so, and in many cases, I had to create it. I had to go out and get the funding and produce it and get it made. If I was waiting for this so-called big break, if I was waiting for the 
so-called moment where I'm discovered on the bus by a big-time agent or for a studio to call me and say, Jerry, we want to offer you a big three-picture deal, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. I literally wouldn't have a single film to my credit. So from that very first small little film to the short films that I'm doing now to Saints and Sinners to Blackout, anytime I've been given an opportunity to do something like a Norris Hair Salon or a Saints and Sinners, it only came because I had already created some of my own work. So there was something for them to be able to look at to say, we want you or we even want to consider you, as opposed to feeling obligated, I want this opportunity. I should be here. I should be doing this kind of movie. I should be directing this kind of show. Okay, what have you done? Well, I haven't done nothing yet because I'm waiting for one of y'all to see my brilliance and put me on. Like, that mindset is really toxic. And you have to question whether or not you're in it for the right reasons. Um, I've often heard a lot of people say, if you want to get put on, if you want to be an actor, a writer, a director, solely for the purpose of being rich and famous, you might want to pursue another business or another venue. You know, you see, you see what you see before your eyes, but that's very, that's very limited and few. So if that's your goal, there are probably other ways, especially now in today's time and generation, it's so easy to be famous now anyway. There are other ways of being famous other than um, trying to be a content creator and being a real artist. Being a real artist is hard. So being true. famous is easy. Being an artist is hard. Being famous is easy. You know what I mean? So if mm-hmm. your heart is set on being a writer, director, or an actor, put in the work, put in the work, put in the work. Do independent films. Do student films. Read the trades. Buy a camera. Cats are shooting films on their cell phones now. There's no excuse. There is no excuse to not be able to create content. Right. Like I tell, I tell my kids, I tell my, my daughter, I tell my son all the time. That's the other thing, too. Being an artist is hard, but it's also one of the easiest things to start that no one can take from you. It doesn't require an abundance of money. You know, at the end of the day, it all starts with a pen and paper. And, yeah, maybe with this generation, a tablet or your cell phone. But basically, <laughs> that's, that's what it all starts with. And that, that was something I always took pride in. Uh, most of my earlier work started with the pen and paper. And so I always felt good at the fact that I always felt empowered that that was something I didn't need to have to go out and ask somebody to give me this so I can do it. Um, years ago, it was very hard to get a film made because films were shot on film. Right. Now everything's digital. There's no excuse. There's Man. no excuse. Create, create, create. Put in the work, put in the work. And whatever is deserving, whatever you're deserving of, it will come. Man, you can't get any realer than that, Jerry. I, I want to say thank you for this advice. Um, everybody that's listening, I know they had their pencil and their piece of paper. Or, like you said, this this era, they had their iPads out and they're taking notes. So I just want to say mm-hmm. thank you again for coming on the show. Your words of wisdom spread it worldwide. I'm going to have my eyes on you, Saints and Sinners. I'm going to have my eyes on that. And I believe the rest of the world will also. And Jerry, I want to make sure you come back on the. Oh yeah, make sure you come back on the show in the future. We'd love to have you back again. I will. 
I will. It would be my pleasure, man. It would be my pleasure. Definitely tell your audience, man. They could definitely follow me on Twitter and Instagram. You know, I'm on um, – my handle is at the JL Lamont. At the J Lamont. So definitely, you know, follow up with my endeavors, man. I appreciate all the support and love. Man, you heard it here first, guys. Make sure you go follow him on social media so you can make sure you keep up with the latest and the greatest of what he's doing, guys. Like I said, this the bet, this the next big thing, and you can watch the first two episodes of Saints and Sinners. You'll see why this is shattering records. I mean, gosh, I, Jerry, I'm not gonna lie, I'm scared mm-hmm. to see what's going to happen mid-season and end of season one. You shattering records yeah. all day. So yeah, 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 it's a trip. It's, it's exciting. It is. Definitely, man. My, my joint, um, this coming Sunday is my last episode, but definitely tune in, see it all the way through. Um, you know, this cat, Darren Grant, he does the following episodes. He directed Diary of a Mad Black Woman. He did a phenomenal job just the same. So you guys make sure you tune in and, and watch it. It's, it's a great ride all the way through. Man, thank you again, Jerry. Thanks for coming on the show. We will talk to you in the future. And everybody, you heard it here first on the Bit Scoop with Coop. Until next time, everybody.